Welcome to chapter 8 of my book, The Boy. So what I'm doing until Christmas Day is to share one of my books. I am not sure how this will go, but if you are new here and like what we do, then consider subscribing and liking this video and share it with those who you think will like it as well. If you're always here, thank you so much for being here with me. I really appreciate you guys. Anyway, let me read you the next chapter. And folks, from now on, this is going to take a turn for the worse for the residents of Cashiers, just getting you on your guard. Now, on to Chapter 8, Into the Woods, written and read by me, L.T. Bartek, as requested. Chapter 8, Into the Woods It was about midday the next day for the two boys. Arthur had just made brunch, consisting of crackers and jam. He mixed some powdered lemonade mix with filtered river water and gave it to Dan. Dan gobbled it down with a gusto and appetite of a growing boy. While he ate, Arthur found a rock and leaning against it, stared off into the distance as if in deep thought. Suddenly, his head popped up, and he started sniffing the air like a dog who had caught the scent of something very interesting. His face was changing. It grew pale and stretched, and one could see bright blue vein lines pushing to the surface as if they were about to burst through his skin. He bared his teeth and grimaced like a wolf about to attack. Then suddenly he stood up, standing on the tip of his toes, almost levitating off the ground, sniffing the air. Dan, who had just popped a cracker in his mouth, stopped and stared, slack-jawed, crumbs falling from the side of his open mouth. He sat transfixed, watching Arthur. Then Arthur stopped, as if he had just remembered that Dan was still sitting close to him. With obvious effort, his face returned to normal, and he quickly sat back down as if trying to compose himself. After a few seconds, somewhat composed, with Dan still looking on slack-jawed, Arthur whispered as if the words had to be controlled. Do you want to go for a hike and back, Dan? The voice was not Arthur's, but more like that of an ancient being. At first, Dan could not find the words. He was still so shocked by Arthur's transformation that it took him a while to find the words. Arthur turned to him, not getting a reply, and Dan saw something fade in his eyes, bringing it back to his baby blues. He flashed Dan a reassuring smile, cleared his throat, and continued as if nothing had happened. Come on, Dan, it would be fun. Let's go hiking over there. His voice now back to his baby soft tone, and he pointed up the rock face, acting chipper. Dan stammered, scared, and unsure of what to make of what he had just seen. I don't know, Arthur. I, I kind of want to stay here. We'll be back. I'm just so bored. Or... Or we can take our bags and find that better shelter I wanted for you. I think there's a better cave up there. It is a little way away from the river, but not too far. 
It will be safer. I know wild animals will be able to get us. Okay, if you say so, Arthur. Splendid. Let me help you pack so we can leave here with haste. He quickly got his things together and got Dan's sleeping bag back into his bag. Soon they were off, crawling at times, grabbing limbs and shrubs to pull themselves up as they made their way up the side of the mountain. Dan slipped a few times on their ascent, but Arthur, who was moving behind him, caught him every time and steadied him for his next move. Soon they reached the top of the mountain, and Arthur was leading him through the dense forest. He stopped after a while and told Dan to wait. Then he veered left and continued walking through the vines and heavy growth, tearing away some of the thick bushes as if it were but tissue paper. Soon the mouth of the cave came into view. He walked in, and after a brief moment, he was back calling out to Dan to come. The cave was almost square inside, almost as if it was once the entrance to a mining cave, but it stopped short ten feet in and narrowed into a small hole. They could hear the sound of running water, and Arthur's eyes opened wide with glee, he brandished a grin. Do you hear that, Danny boy? I think we have drinking water. We don't even have to go to the river unless we want to. Dan was still shaken by what had happened earlier with Arthur's voice and face. The scene was still running through his mind. Sure, Arthur, whatever you say, he said and walked into the cave, then plopped down on his knapsack not bothering to open it up to take out his sleeping bag. After a while, he turned to Arthur and said, So how are we going to get food being all the way up here? I don't want to have to climb that mountain every time. Don't worry about it. I always take care of you, don't I? I will get you food, and we can stay here for as long as you like. We can play hide-and-seek and other games and have a jolly good time, won't we, Dan? Unsure of all this, Dan hugged his knees to his chest and rest his chin on his knee. Sure, Arthur, whatever you say, Dan replied almost to himself. They remained seated in the cave, not talking to each other. Both seemed to be caught up in their own individual thoughts. Dan found a piece of stick and started making drawings on the dirt floor of the cave. Arthur was seated against the wall of the cave, his sandy black hair fell forward as he plopped his head forward, resting his chin against his chest. He was deep in thought, or so it seemed. The sun was setting. Its golden light shone outside, bathing the leaves and trees in a warm yellow glow. Suddenly Arthur stood up as if someone had pricked his bottom. His head flashed around to face the mouth of the cave as if someone had suddenly called his name. He stared at something unseen. Dan started to get very scared of Arthur again. He was acting stranger than normal and Dan was unsure of what to do. Then Arthur slowly walked to the front of the cave and stood just outside the entrance. He slowly turned his head towards where they had camped last night and cocked his head as if listening for something. Then Arthur turned to Dan. Slowly, as if in a trance, he said, I'm going to get you some food. I'll be back soon. Before Dan could say anything, 
Arthur was off running through the bushes back to where they had come. Dan ran to the front of the cave, but by the time he reached where Arthur was, he was already out of sight. How does he move so fast? Dan murmured to himself and went about gathering wood to make a fire. In seconds, Arthur was racing down the rock face as if running on a flat-tracked field. He reached the bank of the river and raced to the location where they had camped. He stopped then and sniffed the air. He heard a lone person walking in the woods. Earlier, he had sensed multiple people approaching them as if searching the area where they were. So he had taken Dan away, but now their numbers had dwindled to one. It was a female officer he had spied from the trees where Alex's body was. His blood began to boil as he both sensed and saw that this person had just picked up the object he had been searching for since the night Alexis had disappeared. He silently moved through the bushes until he was close enough to watch her. He watched as she put on a glove and picked up the locket. She held it up and looked at it. She turned it over and over in her hand, then placed it in a small plastic bag. He did not want another incident with the law. Killing them was a lot more trouble than it was worth, so he continued to watch her undetected from the bushes. He could not risk anything, not when he had Dan to protect. But the fear of losing his locket and being unable to control himself played havoc with his self-control, but he managed to stay still and watched her. She looked around for a few more minutes, oblivious to the watcher, then turned and headed back out of the woods. He followed, all the way to the station. Although she was driving maybe 65 miles per hour, he kept up with her. He had already caught her scent, so there was no way she could lose him now. He could go faster than 65 miles per hour, but he didn't. Staying at a distance and out of sight of the other travelers as he continued down the road behind her. She reached her destination, the police station, and he stopped and moved across the street, hiding behind a building, watching as she got out of her cruiser and walked into the station. He continued to wait hoping to get his locket without alerting them to his presence. His parents had given this locket to him. The pictures inside were of his dear, sweet mother and loving father. They have been dead for a long time. They were not like him. His parents had done everything for him, and when they died, his father, first at the ripe old age of 45, and his mother at 42, and him, still stuck at the age of 8, they had eventually found out what he was and accepted and loved him just the same. They found undetectable ways to keep him fed. In the months after his change, when the neighbors asked about him, they had told them he had indeed died of polio. He mourned for years after their death, not sure how to cope with the loneliness and not having anyone close who was like him. His mother had given him that locket, and he treasured it as the only thing he had to remind him of how beautiful they were. His mother had placed both her 
and his father's pictures inside, knowing that he would outlive them and wanted him to have their likeness to look upon. He was determined not to lose sight of it and would do anything to get it back, even if it would resort to him having to kill someone. But based on past experience, he knew the disappearance of a law officer brought with it greater risk than what he would take. He had to be careful. He only needed to get back his prized possession, but he didn't need to complicate their lives any further. Alexis was a mistake. He was starving, and she was annoying. Arthur had the locket in his breast pocket that night while gathering more firewood for the dying fire. Dan was asleep, and Alexis was watching him like a hawk. She was sneaking around in the woods behind him, watching his every move. He could see her in the dark, but she couldn't see him. He was watching her, but she was unaware of this. Her stomping around was so loud to him that it sounded like the crowd at a baseball game. She, unable to see in the dark, was stepping on broken branches and dried leaves, not knowing that he could hear her every movement. She stopped him on his way back to Dan and tried to use her size to intimidate him. She asked him how he could see where he was going without a flashlight, throwing questions after questions at him non-stop. She said she knew something was wrong about him and that he might not be who he said he was. She knew Dan was not like him. He was too innocent. She also said she would take Dan away from him and report him to the police. So she had to go. That, and she was food for his hungry stomach. Now, as he watched from outside the police station, waiting for the chance to get his treasure back, he saw the woman and an older officer walk out of the station and drive away in their separate cruisers. He knew she no longer had his locket. The smell of it remained in the station and was not on her person. The moment they were out of sight, he walked over to the building and tried the door. It was locked. He looked around and found that he could not enter the building without breaking in, so he left to find some tools and food for Dan. He would be back for it later. Before getting the tools, he decided to get some food for Dan, so he went to the restaurant nearby. That was an easier place to get into. One of the back windows was open, and he jumped up and threw without much effort. He got what he needed and bagged enough food to last them for days, maybe a week. Then he went to take the food back to Dan. By the time he got back, Dan was struggling to make the fire. So after giving him the food, Arthur stayed long enough to help him. I have to go back to town, my dear boy. I'll be back soon. Will you be okay while I'm gone? Arthur asked. No, do you really have to leave? I'm a little scared. Remembering how Arthur had been acting earlier, Arthur walked over to him and ran his finger down his face from forehead to chin. How do you feel now, Dan? Arthur asked. I... I'm okay. You can go. I'll be fine. Dan said as if in a trance and only realizing he was fine. With that, Arthur ran back to the police station. As he approached, he saw two police officers out front. They had just exited their patrol cars 
and were walking up the four steps to enter the building. He saw them unlock the front door and walk in. Rats! He screamed to himself. This was going to be very tricky, but he was going to get his locket back tonight, no matter what. Now that we have come to the end of that, remember to love yourself and others, and I will catch up with you tomorrow for the next episode titled Something Crazy. Love you. Bye.